Welcome to Conversations About Care, a podcast for pediatric clinical providers. Hi, this is Sandy Hassan, and I'm the Medical Director for the American Academy of Pediatrics Institute for Healthy Childhood Weight. And I'm excited to share today's conversation, which is part of our Clinical Practice Guideline Implementation Series. Throughout this series, you'll be able to hear from pediatricians across the country, many of whom have been instrumental in developing the CPG or who have been out there in practice and working on obesity care and treatment. Our hope is that you can listen to these conversations and be inspired to think about how you might be able to integrate or improve obesity care and treatment within your practice. Stay tuned. Hello, I'd like to welcome everyone today for my conversation with Dr. Angela Falls, Medical Director of the Pediatric Weight and Wellness Clinic in Advent Health out of Orlando, Florida. And I've known Angela for many years, and I'm so delighted, Angela, to have you uh, join us in this podcast today. Thank you, Sandy. I'm so happy to be here and be able to reconnect with you and with everyone and um, be able to just kind of talk as, as longtime friends that we are. Absolutely. And Angela, um, you know, I've known you a long time, and I wanted to ask you how you got interested in taking care of children with obesity and their families. You've been doing this uh, maybe since before obesity was really high on the radar screen. So how, how did this all start for you? Right. So I finished my uh, pediatric residency in 2001, and I came out back from California into Florida, which is my hometown, my home state. And I started practicing in a hospitalist type of setting. And then about a year later, as I was kind of working with the kids in the hospital, and then a year later coming into uh, outpatient pediatrics, I realized that the kids were just coming in not only a larger size and heavier, but also concerning the comorbidities that I was seeing. So the high blood pressures, the liver disease, the heart disease, and the you know high cholesterol. And I was just starting to get really concerned about what I was seeing and could I perhaps contribute to getting to the root of some of the issues that they were having. And so over time in 2004, I got into what was then called bariatric medicine, and it was very much uh, adult, primarily adult oriented. And so I felt like that was the way that I could get at least my foot in to be able to educate myself in weight management before this even existed in pediatrics, really as a subspecialty. So eventually I did get my board certification in um, bariatric medicine and then just really started tweaking what I knew in pediatrics with what I uh, was learning in weight management and combining those two in a way that eventually I started my own small practice in South Florida, which eventually led to my desire to have a bigger impact. And I came to Advent Health for Children in uh, 2010. So we've been here for 12 years now. And the idea was that I would come here to Central Florida to be able to start a pediatric weight management program and work with a full multidisciplinary team. And it's been an amazing ride since then. So Angela, you touched on so many important things. In the early days, we were all trying to educate ourselves. And I think in many ways, pediatricians, are still trying to do that, look for educational opportunities because obesity wasn't 
really any part of my curriculum and is now a part of the curriculum, but maybe not a large part for many pediatricians. And so just to sort of reaffirm that we're all still on that educational journey of constantly trying to educate ourselves about pediatric obesity and, and what it means. And I just wanted to also point out that many of us, and we're still seeing it, looked at the adults and saw the morbidity and the comorbidities that was happening and were horrified actually to discover that these adult morbidities, which we, I never thought I would see as a pediatrician, was starting to see in children type two diabetes liver disease. So I just to reaffirm, this is a journey we're all on is this continuous education. And how did you, how did you, as you started to think about maybe, gee, I want to do more with this, what were some of the first pieces other than you're educating yourself now, you're looking for opportunities to get started? What were some of those first steps that you, you took? Well, once we got the practice going here at Advent Health for Children, it was a matter of continuing that journey of, okay, I've got my certification, now what can I do? So it's been a very steep learning process over the years. One of the main things that really helped me along the way was the collaboration that we had early on with Children's Hospital Association and the Focus on a Fitter Future focus group that um, we came in, I believe it was a year or so after it got going. And um, that's where I met you, Sandy, and yeah. many, many awesome colleagues that we still communicate with. And that was one of the main things was not only education, but also the continuation of collaboration between many colleagues and pediatric weight management programs around the country. They look very differently in different parts of the country, in different children's hospitals, or even practices or private practices. Childhood obesity programs can look very different and yet be very effective for their own community. And so the idea to be able to learn from others and be able to say, you know what, these are the frustrations that we have. These are the challenges. These are the barriers. What have you guys been able to do that's been successful or what have you tried? So a lot of that troubleshooting as well was a way in part of the, this journey of really developing these childhood obesity programs. And in our system, we have had a lot of support. I do have to tell you that from an administrative standpoint, it's been a lot of conversations that I've had with administrators over the years, just almost maybe too much, but I don't think so because we've been able to really stay alive for 12 years now, but it's really helping the administrators to understand not only the importance of our work, but what are those challenges? What are those barriers? And how does childhood obesity fit into our system? It was of utmost importance to me early on to try to put quote unquote, fingers of our childhood obesity program into the system so that at any point in time, not only would be integrated into the system, but that it would be harder for a system to be able to say, okay, we're not going to have a childhood obesity program, but if we cut them out, then we're cutting this, 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 and this out. And so I remember too, Sandy, specifically when we were together at the YMCA of the USA, the meetings that we had. And I remember that you also reiterated that point. And it was so great because we were already on that track. And I said, okay, I know this is the way to go. Again, with that colleagues and be able to, you know, collaborate together. But then also those conversations with administration have been 
let's dig a little deeper into these conversations. What do you think has been an effective or maybe the most effective things that you could say to administration to help them understand the importance of the obesity program? Childhood obesity is not going away. On the contrary, it has really been increasing, and especially the last two years with the pandemic. We, in January, we started having a wait list of 600 patients. So we already had about a three-month wait period, and then tack on to that 600 patients waiting. And so that tells you the level of how our children were really, they got the proverbial rug slipped out from under them during the pandemic, and they're struggling. The amount of mental health issues that are coming in conjunction with weight management challenges is just unprecedented. Anxiety, depression, you know, all of these very heavy topics that our children and teens are dealing with. And then couple that with now a higher level and intensity and severity of obesity. And so we're finding ourselves at a really critical point in um, medical care and in healthcare for children and teens with uh, overweight that we really need to find a solution and we need to see how that works within our system, within our state, and what that means for us. Angela, how have you begun or continued to address the getting enough mental health capacity to help your kids? How do you specifically, how have you done that? Well, we have, we've been fortunate to have a a full multidisciplinary team from the beginning. So it's not only the physician leader, but then we also have our child health clinical psychologist, as well as dietitian and exercise physiologist. And at this point, we also have three health coaches who are also our health and wellness educators. And we also have a partner kitchen house and culinary garden. And the reason that I mentioned that in context with the psychological aspects is because there's so much that we can do, not only from literally the psychologist standpoint, but also from our health coaches who keep in touch with them, who work very closely with our psychologists, have been trained to be health coaches and have been trained at least to deal with the basics of mental health issues from a health coach standpoint. And then we like to have our kids uh, active and in not only the like personal training sessions and group training sessions, which can help mood and um, as well as emotional state and motivation, but then also having them in the garden, having them outside, learning about how to uh, plant your own garden and start your own garden and be out there and put your hands in the soil and, uh, you know, the little birds, you know, flying around and bees buzzing around you, but that's all part of the beauty of being there. And that can all help uh, with mental health. You know, and as you're speaking of that, it's such a holistic, almost wraparound approach to mental health, physical, emotional, you know, psychological, Mm -hmm. family, sort of enfolding the, the child and family in this positive, holistic approach. How did you, tell me a little bit about your health coaches. Who are, who are they? And how did you get them and where did they come from? And <laughs> So it's a lot of fun. Actually, a year after our practice started in 2010, so in 2011, we launched the Childhood Obesity Prevention part. We affectionately call it the Childhood Obesity Prevention branch of our practice, and it's called Mission Fit Possible. 
And it's the team that goes out specifically to schools. And they've worked with just thousands, hundreds of thousands of kids at this point in time, 11, 10, 11 years later. We also affectionately call them edutainers <laughs> because educate and they entertain so that the kids will remember. And uh, their platforms are food, mood, move, and um, food, mood, move, and sleep, rest. Yes. yes. And so um, those are really the main the main uh, platforms that they work under and that they teach under, but they are health and wellness educators. And they also not only now do the health coaching, which is weekly health coaching for the first three months of the program with our patients, but they also now have been trained to do culinary medicine type classes uh, within our workshops. And so with our partner, Kitchen House, the Emerald Lagaze Foundation, Kitchen House and Culinary Garden. We have now also been working with their garden educator. So they're so that they're, you know, they have that whole holistic approach. What is their background? If I was going out to try to find a health coach, what would I be looking for, Angela, in, a, in somebody? So at this point in time, there are actually some great certification uh, programs for health coaches that are out there. Our health coaches have really, they have a, like at least a health background in um, some of them have uh, between a two to four year degree, uh, preferably four year degree in health and wellness in, um, from school. And then um, they're also education background. So they also undergo quite an interesting interview process where it's not just like a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but it's almost like a theatrical sort of um, performance where they are not only uh, expected to, but also show their creativity. Like the more creative that they are and uh, within health and wellness, yes, but the more creative that they are, then really that gives them a lot more points, let's say, towards actually being able to be an edutainer. Wow. You know, I ha I keep thinking, Orlando, Disney, this sounds like, you know, <laughs> that, that you've really learned from what appeals to children here and that something in the water down there is really making <laughs> think about fun and entertainment as well as education. Can I, a technical question, how, how are these, uh, how are your health coaches paid for? How, how do you finance this? So not only the health coaches, but also our practice is very heavily grant funded. And the hospital at this point in time has been able to figure out a method to being able to be sustainable for both the practice as well as our Mission Fit Possible program. So uh, we do not, at this point in time, when the health educators go to the schools, the schools do not pay anything. And so they're really fully grant funded or the hospital actually subsidizes their, their salaries and their time. So we are heavy on philanthropy. Really, our, our medical practice brings in about 25 to 30% from in health insurance reimbursement. So the rest, we really rely on philanthropy and the hospital has now put us into like a community service bucket, let's say, that they are comfortable subsidizing. So it's a certain amount that over the last several years now, about five to six years now, they have been comfortable comfortable is quote unquote, right? <laughs> but that they're familiar with that number. <laughs> And it's something that has been sustainable for us. But again, that goes back to those conversations with the administration over and over again. Yeah, I hear a lot of your hard work there 
embedding the program in the hospital's uh, persona, so to speak. One more question on that. Who helps you with the grants? Is that something that goes through the hospital development people, or is that through you uh, looking for grant opportunities? How, how do your grants happen? All of the above. <laughs> At this point in time, we yeah. do. We have a, um, Advent Health for Children Foundation. We have Advent Health Foundation, so our development teams in that realm, grant officers and grant writers that work with us. And we've been able to really be fortunate to work specifically with one for many, many years. And so she really knows our program and our practice. And that's been a major blessing there. I also am kind of on the, constantly on the lookout, as is the team. And then from an administrative level as well, we have administrators that run our community uh, wellness and community outreach programs and they're, that we fall under, and they're also on the lookout as well. I can't help but think this, is, this program is so important to your community and your community of primary care providers and thinking that you must feel and the hospital must feel a lot of approval and support from the community and the community of providers. Do you think that's a factor too? Absolutely. You know, when we first started the program 12 years ago, we realized, so we started with two tracks, actually. We started with the overweight track with obesity between 85th to 94th percentile, and then we started the obesity track, and they would come in, uh, you know, with the BMI 95th to 98th or higher percentile, and they would come in and we would place them in a track. Well, very soon, we realized that 95% of our kids were coming in the at least uh, obesity category or severe obesity, and 5% were coming in in the overweight category. And so we very quickly realized that pediatricians and referring physicians were comfortable enough to, you know what, let me work with a child who's in the overweight category. Let me try and see them a little bit more often. Let me try to work with the family, do the basics, but I really need your help. With the kids who are in the obesity category or severe obesity category. So very early on, we, we were very well aware of the level of obesity that we were up against mm -hmm. and that we would need, be needing to support pediatricians on that. And that's been, you know, really a great relationship with our pediatricians. But we also continue to try to see how we can work together uh, even more with them. We've had conversations, again, more conversations with different larger practices over the years. And we even had one just a few months ago where, you know, how can we support pediatricians more in their own office when their child is right there? You know, can we go for a grant to bring in, let's say, expansion, the mission fit possible so that we can hire more health coaches and edutainers who can go there? That is more cost effective than it would be to hire more providers, more physicians, more dietitians, more exercise physiologists, more psychologists. And, or is there something that we could do, for example, just bring in like forms, could we bring, but we know that that's not because we know that pediatricians have enough forms to fill out. And so we're trying to always kind of see how can we work more with pediatricians? And that is a very big challenge because we know primary care providers are just very, very busy, very swamped, and it's difficult for them to take a little bit more time to do the the uh, nutrition and exercise education that has to happen at a level where you're going to really see permanent changes in the, in families. Well, you know, I'm sure that it also is wonderful for them to know you're there because sometimes it's hard to intervene 
and think, well, I have no backup or there's nobody there. I wanted to ask you about sort of the other direction, your relationship with subspecialists, because of course, all, all the ch many, many of the children have comorbidities where, you know, I was talking to my subspecialists all the time. How have you, how has that relationship been for you and how have you grown that over time? Oh my word, that relationship with subspecialists is is vital <laughs> to our practice and to the subspecialists because, you know, it's, it's neat. One of our cardiologists, he's retired now, but he would always say that there's a red carpet that roll, gets rolled out between his practice and our practice because with cardiology, we work with them so often to be able to be sure that our kids are cleared to be able, for us to be able to push them to another level. So from a cardiovascular standpoint, we work a lot with our cardiologists, but mostly I would say is, uh, we pretty much have an open revolving door with pediatric endocrinologists. Wow. There's a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of work that we do together specifically with, if we're going to take what, what we have seen from our practice in program here at the hospital is that what we bring as a medical weight management program is primarily the educational piece and the supportive pieces that the families need. Then we work really closely with the subspecialist to take it to the next level. So it might be that I might start metformin, but always with the condition that we're going to have the endocrinologist follow up with them because we usually know that that's a longer term. Yeah. And so that, or bringing in liraglutide options or any other medications, that's really more in conjunction with the subspecialist. And we've really seen that that seems to work really well within our system. Now, we also outsource a lot, or not outsource, but out-refer as well to pulmonologists, sleep specialists, orthopedics, uh, physical therapy, and GI, uh, nephrology. So we work extremely close <laughs> with uh, all of the specialists here. We're very fortunate to have a great variety of them here. And I'm sure that relationship has also benefited from your conversation, many conversations with them, sort of laying ground. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they have, I know that they have also been very supportive on our end for keeping us alive as well here, because they've also seen that we've been able to work with families in such a way that it really complements their treatments as well. Right. So you can see, you know, I, just from our conversation, the benefit the, to the pediatricians in primary care and the subspecialists and the hospital that you've done advocacy 360 degrees around the program. For, so that all your stakeholders are there who are important to your patients, but also important to the sustainability. Um, how, how is it going with the hospitalized children who have obesity? Have you gotten involved in inpatient medicine at all with them? You know, that's not really a realm that we have been able to go down yet simply because we are one team. And But what we are starting to tap into is actually uh, adolescent bariatric surgery. Mm -hmm. And that's something that literally, like about six to eight months ago, we started seeing the first few patients. And literally this week, hot off the press, the first one happened. So, you know, it's exciting in that, you know, we know that it's not for everybody, but we do know that there is a certain subset that will benefit from that type of of, of service that we offer. Um, but that's really as close as I've gotten so far to doing any inpatient work at this time, simply because of the magnitude of the work that we have with outpatient. 
But with that in mind, you know, the idea is to let's see in the future over time, you know, how do we figure out a way to continue expansion and then um, potentially some inpatient treatment. We have a child, for example, a teenager who we have been seeing for several years now who recently actually got referred to a program in Texas for inpatient um, hospitalization. And he's doing spectacularly. He is 15 years old and weighs almost 500 pounds. And so we were, have been really just um, working with the family in so many different ways, many challenges, just socially, emotionally, so, so many different challenges. You know, it's, it's above and beyond just can we eat more healthy and be more active? He is way beyond more. Yeah. And he even tested negative for all the genetic testing and all that. So at least from what we know that we can test for, right, at this point. In time. Yeah. But the need is certainly there for inpatient treatment. And that's not something that we have very much of in Florida. So that's a definite, you know, it's on my radar <laughs> to see how to really, to really do that. I've even started talking to some of the hospitalists and um, with the um, complex care clinics that we have to see, you know, how, how to even start that. So Angela, I think it's really important as we, we look at the whole trajectory of your program to see how, you know, you have really, you, you picked a place to start, you started, you embedded, you got your stakeholders, but you're always keeping your eye out for what you feel like you're always out there thinking, what do the children need? What might we do? How might we grow? And I think it's a really important growth really never stops. Just like we said, the learning never stops, but mm -hmm. growth, like wherever you start, it, it's always a good place because at least you're started. But then, you know, if you, you keep asking the question, what do the children need? And so what, in my experience, mm -hmm. the growth really never stops. It's just, you keep, you keep going as far as you, you're able to go because the need is so great. Yeah, absolutely. That journey continues and the, the learnings never stop yeah. because it's still, although we do know more than we know, you know, where we were 25 years ago, the learning just never stops. And the, the childhood obesity subspecialty just really continues to evolve. And I would say to not be afraid to go out of your comfort zone. Um, especially because, you know, sometimes maybe as pediatricians and physicians, we tend to be afraid. To, okay, first, let's not do harm, right? We, we all took that oath. Um, but then secondly, you know, sometimes you go into uncharted waters and it's okay. And you do that as best as you can with your colleagues. And you arm yourself with as much education and experience as you can but don't be afraid to take that next step and say, you know what, our child needs this, our patients need this. Let's talk to admin about this. How can we make this happen? And then go for it. You know, not be afraid to just do it. Take that one step that's always the scariest, right? To get off, to jump off the cliff, right? Is always that first one. Then you just see how it goes and where it goes and expect a wall because there will be one wall. And then after that one, there'll be another one. And you feel often like you're bumping your head against walls all the time. But if you just, you know, you keep that love for the kids and you keep the passion that you have first and foremost for these children and to give them a chance at a better life, a healthier life, then you will come out ahead. I am very much a proponent of that. 
Angela, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I used to call what you called walls. I used to say they're just they're hurdles. They're mm -hmm. hurdles. So I'll crawl under them or jump over them. <laughs> because what you also said is you're 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 keeping your eye on these children who really need us to be their advocates along all mm -hmm. these different fronts. So I uh so much appreciated hearing your story and how you're continuing your journey and your your passion for the children. And as we wrap up the podcast, is uh, any any other things you would like folks to know? I thought your last statement was so inspirational and uh, and needed for all of us. Anything else you'd like to say before we close out? I think I pretty much covered it, Sandy. But maybe just a few things that are on my mind. One of the things that excites me and that really just keeps me going because you know physician burnout is real and often you are working with families and you feel sometimes like you're just saying the same thing over and over again to the families to the administration to you know everybody and it's like are we really making progress but um i do want to say that um what excites me, what gets me going, what, you know, helps me to continue is really just being able to be innovative, put different pieces together, know my system so that I know how to maneuver these pieces and place them in, in ways that make sense for our kids, for our practice, for the system. And also thinking about the next generation of physicians. So the next generation of obesity medicine physicians and subspecialists, you know, but there's now the, you know, obesity medicine fellowship, who knew, but there we are from, for med peds and for peds. And so uh, being able to teach, um, for example, we're looking forward to doing, expanding culinary medicine in our system to be able to teach our residents and pediatric residents and moving things forward in the system in a way that makes sense, just really excites me. It just really, really, you know, keeps me going. And so I would really venture to just say, you know what, don't give up and keep your eye on the prize. Because as you well said, if we don't help the kids, those of us even with from limited experience to vast experience, then who will? And we're going to be having the same conversations that we did, you know, 20 years ago, now 20 and then 20 years from now. So little by little, you know, banding together and, and really just doing this together and keeping your eye on the prize is going to be, I think, really rewarding for all of us in the end. So, so well said, Angela. I'm so appreciative of you taking the time to do this podcast with you. And thank you very much. Thank you so much, Sandy. It's been a privilege and I'm so happy to reconnect with you again. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my conversation today with Angela Falls. I hope that you were able to take away some practical strategies on how to move obesity care and treatment forward in your practice. As a reminder, there are many resources to support your capacity building and CPG implementation efforts, which you can find on our website, www.ap.org slash obesity CPG.